This episode is brought to you by Kia's first three-row all-electric SUV, the Kia EV9. With available all-wheel drive and seating for up to seven adults. With zero to 60 speed that thrills you one minute. And available lounge seats that unwind you the next. Visit kia.com slash EV9 to learn more. Ask your Kia dealer for availability. No system, no matter how advanced, can compensate for all driver error and or driving conditions. Always drive safely. A science story, huh? And I just thought, well, I figured it, wow. out. I it was that tall. golden moment. Because science was on my side. Hey everyone, welcome to the Story Collider, where true personal stories about science help us to discover how weird and wonderful it is to exist in this world and be a human. I'm your host, Misha Gajewski, and this week, our stories are all about the deeply human experience of being embarrassed. Yes, these stories are mortifying, cringy, and oh, so relatable. Fair warning, the secondhand embarrassment will be real. Our first story is from Emma Yarbrough. Emma is a storyteller, actor, playwright, arts administrator, and fans of the Story Collider in Atlanta may also recognize her as one of our producers and hosts. Emma's story was recorded at Underground Atlanta in February this year. Her story is all about finding humor in your most vulnerable moments, a deeply powerful skill that I, for one, am envious of. So, I'm not what you would call lucky in love, (laughs) Um, but I do try. I try pretty hard. And for the last decade and a half, I've been on and off dating apps regularly. That's right. That's right. That's how it feels when you're off the apps. (laughs) When you let yourself go off the apps, you're just, you know? Especially if you're a woman, because they say that the happiest subset of the population is single, childless women. Can confirm, right? Can confirm. Uh, And I think one of the reasons is because, you know, we're socialized to be caregivers. And so when we don't have a partner, when we don't have children, all of that care, all of that good energy goes right back to numero uno, right? (laughs) But the problem is, I still want a partner and I want a family. I basically would like to experience every kind of love that life has to offer. And I want to challenge myself in the way that you can only do if you have an intimate relationship with someone else. So after one of these extended breaks from being off the apps, I I just turned 33 and... I was feeling really good about the future. I was just like, I don't know. This just like, just like feels like my year, you know, like 33. It's your Jesus year. Like, you know, you're gonna, you're gonna be reborn and ascend into heaven <laughs> and, 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 and meet your true potential, right? And so, thank you. And so I, I took some cute pictures, I reactivated my dating apps, and the date was late February 2020. (laughs) 
Yeah, right. So you guys remember late February 2020. So I'm, you know, similar to love. I'm not, I'm not exactly the best at timing <laughs> because then we get walloped by a worldwide pandemic and we all retreat into our caves, especially me because I uh, take some medicine that uh, makes me immunocompromised. So I was like very isolated. I was not dating. Um, and a year into the pandemic, still isolating, I start to think about my fertility, right? Because, you know, at this point now I'm 34. <laughs> I'm like a year away from the dreaded geriatric pregnancy if I get pregnant. Um, and I don't know when I'm going to be able to date again. And then I don't know when I start dating, when I'm going to meet my person. And then I don't know when we are going to decide that we want to have, like, it's just, it's just everything's getting kicked down the road. And so I decide to freeze my eggs and I go into the process and it's, it's very, I mean, I don't know how many of y'all know about what this entails, but it's a lot. It's a lot, right? Yeah. And I'm doing it by myself. And there's just like all these different types of hormones. And I mean, at least the one thing I had going for me was that I was going to be completely isolated. So if I just started going crazy with the hormones, it wouldn't affect anybody. Um, but I, you know, you, you have to do like math about how much medicine you have left. And there's this like very regimented schedule. And I have raging ADHD. So like I've never been great at schedules. But somehow... I manage okay. Like, actually, the hormones don't really affect me at all. I feel just fine. I'm able to continue working. I'm not stressed. I'm doing great. And the time comes, we're at the end of the month, and I give myself that final shot to trigger ovulation, and then I head to the hospital for my egg extraction procedure. And there's just one little hiccup, which is that... I've started to feel this like burning sensation in a very private area, <laughs> a very private area. So I think, well, you know, I mean, I might as well, while I'm here, just like ask the nurses if they will ask the doctor while he's down there to like give it a look <laughs> and see if he sees anything weird. <laughs> um, so I go under, uh, the procedure goes really well, I come out and the doctor comes in, he's like, great job, uh, we got buckets of eggs. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and I'm just like, oh, oh great, that's awesome. Um, so did you, like, how did it look down there? And he's like, fine. <laughs> and then I immediately am like, oh, no, the nurses did not tell him what I asked them to tell him. And this man thinks I've just asked him to rape my vagina. <laughs> oh, so <laughs> I'm sent on my merry way, and I go home to recover. And the recovery is not so bad, um, just some cramping, which... I'm a woman, so I'm used to it. Um, but the burning doesn't go away. In fact, it gets worse. It becomes painful. And then I see a blister. And then I see multiple blisters. And I'm a woman of the world. <laughs> I know what it means when you have blisters on your hoo-ha. <laughs> you know, like, it's, it's genital herpes. It's genital herpes, which 
honestly, no big deal. Everybody has herpes. I'm sure you all have herpes. Um, but I, yeah, right? Let's hear it for herpes. That's right. That's right. So I, but I am upset. You know, I am upset <laughs> because like I said, at this point, I had taken a break from dating and then a worldwide pandemic. So like at this point, it's an extended drought. And in three years, I have had sexual Congress <laughs> one time, <laughs> one time. And we used protection and it wasn't even that memorable. And that's how I get genital herpes. Like this is not fair. And looking back on it, there were all of these omens like the first time he was supposed to come over and hang out, uh, he got mugged on the way to my house. <laughs> and then the second time he was supposed to come over and hang out, my hot water heater in my kitchen started spurting out high, a high pressured mist of hot water everywhere, like the Rainforest Cafe, like, like the produce section at the grocery store. It's just, but I prevailed. <laughs> I persisted. <laughs> And I was disappointed. <laughs> um, so yeah, I I call the gynecologist. I have an, I make myself an emergency appointment, and the doctor emerges from between my legs and has this look on her face, and she's like, "I don't think this is herpes, but I don't know what it is." <laughs> and I'm like, "Oh, cool, cool." And so she takes some samples, she leaves to go test them, and I lay there looking up the ceiling, questioning all the decisions that have brought me to this point. And then when she comes back, she's so excited. <laughs> she's so excited, and she looks at me and she goes, I know what it is. And I've only seen it once before. <laughs> Which are very comforting words from your 60-something healthcare provider, let me tell you. She looks me in the eyes. <laughs> And she says, dear, you have shingles on your vulva. I'm sorry, did you hear that? Shingles on my vulva. <laughs> oh. So like, why would they be there, right? <laughs> but the doctor's like, you know, it's probably because you're immunocompromised that you got them. And, you know, I'm thinking like maybe because I've been just like giving so much energy and focus to that area of my body that like that's, that's where they decided to pop up. And, you know, this whole time I've been so proud of myself. I was like, these hormones aren't affecting me at all. I am handling this stress so well. I'm going to get oodles of eggs. And then my body's like, just one second, bitch. <laughs> so the doctor prescribes um, antivirals because, by the way, did you know that the virus that causes chicken pox and shingles is a herpes virus. So I was kind of right. It's just like not that herpes virus. Um, and I head home to convalesce <laughs> for like two weeks. It's, it takes a while. It takes a while for shingles to clear, funnily enough. Um, and you know, like control is a myth. We really have zero control over our timelines. We have such little control over the outcomes that we're going to have. You know, I have no control over when I'm going to find love. 
Um, but I am I am very glad that I did give myself or take a little bit more control, um, especially considering that as a woman, I'm often losing control over my reproductive rights. Um, I did take advantage of that, and now I have this option. And I'm also glad to know that I can take care of myself through two weeks of just like insane pain, <laughs> like so much pain, like just in my bed by myself, like cry laughing with like an ice pad that they give uh, postnatal women. Like I'm just basically wearing like a cooling diaper. <laughs> Like, you see it, like, just thriving. <laughs> and I can get through that on my own. And I'm most glad that yesterday afternoon I got in the car and I drove myself to my primary care physician and a nurse there injected me with the second round of my shingles vaccine. <laughs> Hey, thank you. That was Emma. To learn more about her or find out when Atlanta is hosting their next show, visit our website, storyclatter.org. Being a storyteller on our stage is just one way to make Story Collider happen. But we know that can be intimidating and might not speak to you. So maybe becoming a Story Collider donor is more your speed. Story Collider donors play an increasingly important role in our ability to bring you this podcast. We're in this together. Story Collider is one big experiment that's designed to connect us around our love of discovery, curiosity, and the natural world. If you believe in the power these stories have and this mission, please consider donating to the Story Collider at storycollider.org donate. The most popular level is $10 a month, and you can make your tax-deductible donation at storycollider.org donate. But really, any level makes difference, and we're so grateful to everyone who supports Story Collider. Misha here. If you enjoy our episodes on career pathways in healthcare or the STEM field at large, then I have the perfect podcast recommendation for you, Raising Health. Previously called BioEats World, Raising Health comes from leading venture capital firm Andreessen Horowitz, the same team behind the acclaimed A16Z podcast. Each episode, Raising Health dives deep into the heart of healthcare, biotech, and AI with venture capital investors and A16Z general partners. Along the way, they explore the real challenges and opportunities in health and biotech entrepreneurship. So whether you're interested in building a new digital healthcare company or your company is advancing a new novel medicine, Raising Health sheds light on some of the opportunities and obstacles along the founder's journey. Not to mention, you'll hear raw insights, actionable advice from notable guests like Omada CEO and co-founder Sean Duffy, an AI expert and Incitro CEO Daphne Kohler. Don't miss out. Follow Raising Health on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts, and tell them I sent you. Our next story is from Carlos Kotkin. Carlos is an author, screenwriter, and humorist. His stories have aired on The Moth, Risk, and KRCW's unfictional podcasts, and have been published in the New York Times, Modern Love, Reader's Digest, and Sunset Magazine. He's also published a dating memoir titled Please God, Let It Be Herpes, a heartfelt quest for love and companionship. Carlos's story was recorded at the Crawford Family Forum in L.A. at a show held in partnership with LAist. 
It's all about learning to swallow your pride, something we all need to do from time to time. Okay, so not too long ago, uh, I went uh, to get my my yearly physical, went and saw uh, Dr. Kovac, and Dr. Kovac said, everything looks great, everything checks out, except, oh, um, we, we found microscopic traces of blood in your urine. Um, so we probably, that's probably nothing, but it might be bladder cancer, so it's probably nothing. <laughs> but we should probably find, we should figure out what it is and what's going on. So I pee in a bunch more cups for him, and it's the same problem. I go through, I do an MRI, a bunch of tests, and uh, they can't figure out what's happening. So I ultimately end up in the office of a urologist, which was my first urologist. Um, little Carlos is growing up. And uh, <laughs> so the, the urologist is named Dr. Ehrlicher. He had a crazy white mane of hair. He looked like a mad scientist. And he, he told me, uh, Carlos, we're gonna have to perform a cystoscopy on you. Have you ever had one done before? And I said, I, I don't think so. Uh, what's a cystoscopy? And he said, oh, it's, it's very simple. Uh, all we do is we take a camera, insert it into your penis, send it up the urethra, look around your bladder. It's no big deal. And I, I said, uh, I've definitely never had that done before. <laughs> I would remember something like that. And he said, okay, well, it's, like I said, it's no big deal. And I, uh, I performed the cystoscopies on, on Tuesdays. And I said, oh, I'm, I'm, so, I'm so sorry. Uh, <laughs> Tuesdays are bad. Um, because I'm never doing that in my whole life. So <laughs> Tuesdays aren't going to work. And I, I left. I, I, I didn't make an appointment. I said, it's nice to meet you. And I left. And I went home. And I told my wife about the crazy thing that the crazy doctor wanted to do. And, and my wife said, well, you're doing that. Because... We have a five-year-old, and I need to know if you're dying because I need to make plans. And, and those were not her specific words, but that was the subtext of what she was saying. Uh, she's a planner. And uh, so, so I, I very reluctantly called uh, Dr. Ehrlicher's office to make an appointment, and a woman uh, named Linda answered. And uh, I asked Linda, half, half jokingly, half seriously, uh, uh, if she ever heard uh, patients scream during the procedure. Uh, I was seeking comfort. <laughs> I wanted her to say to me, of, of course not, no, never. Uh, instead, she said, sometimes. <laughs> sometimes. And, and, and then she said, but if you, you know, if you can get to your happy place, you'll be fine. And I, I thought, Linda, Linda, I, I can't get to my happy place if somebody is inserting a camera into my happy place. It's not. So 
I scheduled the appointment. It was like two weeks later. And in those two weeks, it was all I could think about. I would, I would try not to think about it, which would make me think about it more. But I, I would wake up, I, I, I would dream about it. I would eat, sleep, breathe the cystoscopy. And uh, it was so much stress and anxiety. And I, I thought maybe if I know what I'm getting into, it'll calm me down. So I watched some videos. Yeah, that didn't work. That didn't. And they were uh, animated videos, so, but very different from like Zootopia or uh, Finding Dory. It was, it just uh, amplified uh, the stress. And then finally, two weeks later, the day comes, and I'm uh, sitting in the in the lobby. I'm super nervous, and I I decide I decide to I should pee because nobody's told me any details about how this is going to work, but I just assume that it's probably, a, it probably might damage the camera if it gets wet, so I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go pee. So I go pee, I come back, and this, uh, this strapping, uh, tall, young, uh, young man introduces himself to me. Uh, his name is Ryan, and he says, I'm gonna be your nurse today, and uh, before we go back, can you just do me a favor, can you pee in this cup? And I said, Ryan, Ryan, I just, I just did that. I just, I just peed. And suddenly Ryan turned into the Salvation Army. He said, well, whatever you could give would be <laughs> a huge help. And so I go back to the bathroom thinking that I'm, I'm only going to get like a few drops out. Uh, and I'm so nervous that I guess I'm not in tune with my body. I don't realize what's going on because... I start peeing and peeing and peeing and peeing, and I'm 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 not I'm filling up the cup, and I'm not standing in front of the toilet, and I'm I'm thinking I'm I'm looking at it and thinking well I'm gonna I'm gonna fill this and <laughs> and then I do fill it, and instead of uh, taking two steps over to the toilet, I just move the cup away, <laughs> and I just start peeing on the floor like a maniac, like like I'm trying to put out a fire and. And so then I had to, I took the paper towels, it's really detailed, and uh, I, I cleaned up. I was in there way longer than I should have been. And, uh, and then I come out and I, I give my cup, my cup uh, to Ryan, who was really proud of me. And, uh, and we head down to the, to the room where we're going to do this thing. And as we're walking uh, down the corridor, I say to Ryan, Ryan, I, I, I have to tell you, uh, I am, I'm not looking forward to this. And again, I'm seeking comfort. I want, I want Ryan to say, don't worry about it. It's no big deal. You're going to be totally fine. Uh, Ryan says to me, yeah, I don't blame you. Uh, and, and so uh, we go in the room, and I uh, have to change into that stupid gown where your butt is hanging out. And I lie down on the, on the table, the exam table, and... Uh, Brian super casually uh, he says, "Okay, Carlos, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna wash your penis now," and I said, "Oh, that's okay. So, uh, I, I appreciate it, but uh, <laughs> I took a shower. That's that's fine." And uh, he he said, "No, no, we I have to. It's part of the procedure." And so I'm suddenly I'm I'm uh, I'm staring up at the ceiling, and and and, and Brian is washing me. Brian is washing me and. Uh, this is my story about science. Uh, and a as he's washing me, uh, 
after a few moments, I'm staring at the ceiling and I think to myself, um, you know, under different circumstances, this wouldn't be so bad. So he finishes, uh, he's standing next to me and uh, Dr. Ehrlicher comes in and uh, he looks at me naked from the waist down. He looks at Ryan and he says, what is going on here? And I immediately think, oh my God, Ryan doesn't really work here. This is just a guy dressed like a nurse, <laughs> just killing time. And then, and then Dr. Ehrlichert and Ryan look at each other and they just start laughing. Ah, we got him. So, so they're telling jokes. They're having fun uh, at my expense at the cystoscopy. So that was nice. That was helpful. And it's good to laugh. It's good to laugh, right? Uh, I wasn't laughing, but at least they were. So that was, that was nice for them. And, and then Dr. Ehrlicher approaches and, and he says, okay, uh, here we go, Carlos, this is happening. It's gonna happen. Take a deep breath. And uh, gentlemen, um, if you've never had a, a camera inserted into your penis, I can tell you exactly what it feels like. It feels like a camera is being inserted <laughs> into your penis and it is not pleasant i do not i do not recommend it and and at one point it, it hurt so much that i yelped and i've never yelped before in my life but i i was i yelped and, and that's when brian put uh, his hand on my on my thigh and and his warm the warm palm of his hand instantly soothed me and and then and then it was over, just like that. Dr. Ehrlicher uh, says to me, uh, okay, you're fine, no problem. And, and I, I said, well, what about the, the blood and the urine and all that? And he said, yeah, it's just one of those things. You're, you're fine. I've seen a thousand penises like yours. <laughs> and uh, and he, he, he walks out. And I, I, uh, I get up, I sit up, and Brian is, Brian is still there. And, and I, I thank him for helping me get through things and I and I say to him uh, hopefully I'll I'll never see you again and and he smiled and, and he said yeah, at least not here right and I said no I don't I don't want to see you anywhere I don't I don't uh, I don't want to uh, I don't want to be at the grocery store with my wife and like oh honey this is this is Ryan he, he washed me I don't I don't want to do that. Um, so uh, I, what I got from that experience was just thinking about the, the two weeks of stress and anxiety and, and, and just torturing myself. That was so much worse than the two minutes of the actual procedure. I punished myself way more than, than Dr. Ehrlicher did. And, and uh, so that was a valuable lesson uh, that um, I'm, I'm sure I didn't learn next time. Oh, I face stress. Uh, I'll forget all about it, but uh, I'll try to to keep that in mind. Um, as a as a postscript, I I haven't seen Ryan uh, <laughs> since. Uh, I do still think about him from time to time. <laughs> uh, I'll say just like uh, uh, in the movie Casablanca, Humphrey Bogart 
and Ingrid Bergman, they'll always have Paris. Uh, Ryan and I will always have the cystoscopy. Thank you. That was Carlos. If you'd like to learn more about him, you can visit our website, storyclatter.org. Our website is just one way to connect with us, but there are so many other ways, and we hope you'll use all of them. You can always follow us on social media. We're on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. Head to storyclatter.org to become a financial supporter. Or if you want to come to a recording session of one of our shows or want to start your own Story Collider show in your community, you can learn all about that on our website, too. The Story Collider is very grateful for the support of Science Sandbox, a Simons Foundation initiative dedicated to engaging everyone with the process of science. This podcast is produced by me, Misha Gajewski, along with Nikisha Roberts-Washington, Jen Chen, and Aaron Barker, executive director and co-founder of The Story Collider. The stories featured in today's episode were produced by Kelly Vinyl, Brian Kett, and Leslie Bernson. Special thanks goes out to The Story Collider's board and staff, including Anne-Marie Lonsdale, Leslie Bernson, and Lindsay Cooper. Our theme music is by Ghost, and next week I'll be back with stories about getting a second chance to set things right. Until next time, thanks so much for listening. Some places take you away. Some bring you together. Marathon does both. Marathon is Florida's family key with something for everyone. You'll find museums and wildlife refuges, wide open beaches, miles of warm, clear water, and the historic Seven Mile Bridge. For more about Marathon and the latest safety protocols, visit flakeys.com slash marathon.